special someone. Her name is Ella Darling, and she's part of VRTube.xxx. I've been meaning to have this conversation since the day I was born. Um, and Ella, I'm uh, excited, thrilled, euphoric that you have joined me today on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so uh, let's get this started. Ella, if I gave you the superpower, I, I have two options for you. Okay, so one superpower, you're going to have clitoris slash clitori at the tip of your fingers and everything you come in touch with you will orgasm instantly or you have the ability to give that power slash condition to other humans as at the moment you come and talk contact with them which one would you choose the second one because that sounds fucking miserable <laughs> on my worst enemies oh my god it's put away for a reason it's so sensitive yeah. <laughs> you see you can't see this because this is audio, but you and I are face-to-face on Skype. Yeah. I have a gigantic gash on my finger. Imagine <laughs> if my fingertip was a clitoris and that gash happened. Oh, my God. Yes. That, that would be genital mutilation. Yeah, that would be painful. Very painful. Um, but you know what I was thinking? Like, if I if I had that superpower where, like, everything I touched, tur- you know, every every human that came in contact with me, all of a sudden their fingertips turned into clitoris. I would like throw myself into a mosh pit at a concert and just let everybody just touch me. That would be cool. Um, So let's get this show on the road. Tell me more about VRTube.xxx. How are you involved and how did it become a thing? Yeah, so um, I am one of the two head people that are running it. We're um, me and my business partner, James. Um, And then we've got two dudes who are also helping us part-time. Um, Wilford, my dear friend, who is the former um, creative director, graphical editor, maybe, of Hustler Magazine. Like, he used to do all the layouts and stuff, wow. and he still shoots for them. So he is helping us with, you know, uh, design and lighting and all that. Um, and then our other friend, who I don't know what name he wants to go by in the porn industry, so I shouldn't use his real name, because that's, like, a super faux pas. But um, one of the two dudes who originally who I originally contacted on Reddit. So the whole story is um, I was on Reddit and I saw someone post about wanting to make VR porn and I got super excited because that's so my fucking jam. Oh, can I curse? I hope of I course, curse. of course. Okay. Yeah. Cause that is so my, my shit right there. So um, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I want to do it. And um, they deliberated and they finally flew me out to uh, PC area and I came out and I met them and they were 20 years old and I was like, older than that (laughs) so uh so yeah it was kind of funny and they were super nice and we shot um my very first vr video in his dorm room in james's dorm room so that was fun and adorable and uh yeah then they were really happy with my work so they asked me to join the company and so now i'm equal partners with james and um i do our i'm the creative director so i recruit all the models since they're all people that i know and or have had sex with um 
and my friends and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I get the girls. I do, I shoot everything. Um, Wilford and I set up our whole, our whole system, our little set. And yeah, I direct, I, I'm one of the producers. Uh, James does all the programming, um, along with unnamed fellow whose name I don't want to say. <laughs> and yeah, it's a really great team. It's an incredible team, actually. I'm really lucky to work with people I work with and we're making really cool shit. You know, we're making holograms of women um, we use a point cloud system, so we use an infrared camera to capture, uh, and we isolate the performer's bodies in space, basically. So what you see is a 3D hologram, and our program, our, our hologram player, has positional tracking, so, you know, you can move around, kind of, and get different views, and you can get really close and see, like, like basically put your face right in our ass. It's super hot. Um, right now, as it stands, we only have female performers, but I am hoping to uh, have basically three facets to the site, which would be a transsexual site or transsexual side of the site and also like the gay side of the site. So, you know, I want to have something for everyone and I want to be able to hire all of my friends across the spectrum of the industry because they're really cool people. And yeah, it's really great. I'm lucky. I love it. And, uh, I've been producing porn for a couple years now. I've been doing a lot of custom stuff for people. I shot two really nice scenes with Wilford actually, but, uh, this is something so new and it's so exciting and not many people are doing it and certainly not many people actually in the porn industry. So it's really cool. Um, yeah. Wow. What a story. Um, I have so many questions to ask you right now, but I'm going to go with the obvious one in, in shooting porn or in your journey through the porn industry. Have you come across, uh, men, women who name their junk? And, and if so, what names have you run across? Like, like uh, I used to do in in college. My the I used to name my penis the law. Um, the law. The law. Oh, yeah. Down the law. Yeah, huh? yeah. <laughs> um, but but now it, he's you know it's um it, the 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 constitution has been broken. What about you? Like, have you run into uh, people with names in their junk? Just two days ago, there was a girl on set, um, a woman I should say, who named her vagina Squirtle, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was just delightful. That is, that is, <laughs> oh my God, I'm sorry, I lost your audio, are you, are you still there? Can you hear me? Oh, uh, there you go, Squirtle, um, it's, that's the cutest name for a vagina that I've ever come across, um, what an image. <laughs> All right. Do you, do you have um, names for your chunks? No, I usually just... I don't. I'm not a big fan. Oh, I am actually a big fan of euphemisms. So it's come in handy. I used to hate euphemisms for genitals, but now it's like I have to, like, if I cam or if I do phone sex or, like, if I'm just, like, most of the time when I'm camming, I need to have that rich vocabulary of uh, adjectives for junk. Yeah. So it's, it's good now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't name my shit. So that's good. Awesome. Submit name proposals to ella.darling at gmail.com oh my god yes do it that sounds awesome um well can i can i can i propose one sure okay okay um all right let's see uh how about um oh how about singularity oh yeah yeah because you have no i don't know because you have no idea actually you do you would have an idea what it's gonna be like hmm it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So uh, I don't know. Hmm. Let me think. I'll get back to you by the end of the podcast as to what name I can come up with. 
Let's table that for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> going back to VRTube.xxx, here's the thing about porn and VR. Mm-hmm. I've come to the realization that uh, porn and VR is going to make fuck tons of money. Um, and, and so, it, to me, there's a lot of, you know, steps and things that need to occur for that to happen. But I'm already thinking about, all right, well, I think VR porn, <laughs> in the future, when it becomes a mature thing... There's going to be a cottage industry, or there's going to be, I feel like, I predict there's going to be a need for virtual reality relationship counselors. Um, because I, I wonder whether, you know, like how, you know, five years from now, when VR porn is insane, you know, how are the relationships between two, you know, two, two, two people who are close to each other as a couple, you know, how they will, how VR porn might affect that? And will it? What do you mean? What do you think? It, it will. Will we have a need for a VR relationship counselors in the future? I mean, honestly, I could see all kinds of not just relationship counselors, but all kinds of therapeutic value in putting um, that kind of provider in a VR space. You know, people, especially if you want to, it's kind of bringing up mental health. Like a lot of issues that I know, like some people with mental health have, is getting out of their house and to their therapist or to their doctor. And I think that, you know, there are some doctors who Skype, but being able to do that, to do so in virtual reality would just be really fucking cool for, for that industry. Um, Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're definitely onto something in terms of, um, you know, utilizing this technology as a tool to help in those areas. And mental health is definitely one of those things where, you know, it's badly needed. You know, I, I don't think, uh, you know, it's just, um, I don't think the mental health program programs get the the funding that they deserve, um, considering the scope of the problem uh, nationwide, world, worldwide. And I think, you know, if, if someone comes in and nails a, a, a piece of software that is cheaper, better, faster, and reaches more people than, you know, um, some form of NGO or government program, I think, I think you'd be onto something. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely excited, and you're right. Uh, mental health uh, is definitely one of those things that VR can touch. Um, but going back to porn, let's, let's, uh, yeah. and, uh, unless you have something else to add. Nope. Okay. Uh, so t- talk to me about, you know, what the pricing models will look like in the future. Like, you know, how do you know how much to charge for a VR porn experience these days? And, you know, and how will this evolve? So that is a really tough thing to nail, honestly. It's hard to figure out what people are willing to spend because a lot of that has to do with uh, your consumer base. Um, Younger people cannot fathom paying for porn. It's a very new concept. Whereas I find um, most of my, most of the, most of my fans who actually pay for my content tend to be older uh, professional men. So it's just kind of figuring out who is actually going to pay for it and what they're willing to pay. And it's been tough because most of our user base right now of the VR stuff are younger dudes in their twenties and thirties who are typically professionals. Um, I don't know. I think you just kind of have to play with it. I don't think there's going to be a one size fits all approach. Um, I think for different companies, it's going to depend on how much money they have already invested and how much they need to recoup. Um, you know, you have to factor in how much you're paying your models. If you have a studio space, just all of that stuff. So, um, so yeah, I my approach, my initial approach was to price it the same way I would price like clips that I would put on clips for sale, mm-hmm. um, which is based on a certain amount, 
like a range of amounts that you can charge per minute. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I, I was thinking, like five or $10 is how much someone would spend on like a fetish clip experience, like five to 10 minutes basically. Um, but I think that's more than people actually want to play, want to pay for VR because I think that they have a very big thirst for virtual reality content and they want to build their collections and they want to have like a sample of everything. And so if you charge too much, you're basically limiting what people will consume from you. It's important for sure to have free demos, but um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out myself. What do you think? You're uh-huh. a, a dude. You're basically my my target base. So yeah, I um, this is where you know uh, thinking about this, you, I I think one idea, one route that that might be interesting to try out would be subscription models um, and something like uh, something what Netflix something like what Netflix does. You 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 get the whole library, but you pay something like you know seven bucks a month or something. Um, I, but but I don't know. There's a lot of um, yeah. it, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky trying to figure out what it is that is going to get the most people paying for content, right? Um, hello, hello. For sure. I know for me right now, I made the decision not to do a subscription. But mm-hmm. hello, Ella. So I, I, yeah, it's not to do a subscription model because um. Can you not hear me? Okay, I now I can. Perfect. And never mind. One second, listeners. We do this thing raw dog, so I'm gonna get Ella back. Don't worry. Never fear. Chris Miranda is here. Uh, please, Ella. Oh, Ella. Please return to this conversation. The people await. They need you. We must find out how to get our hands. On that porn of yours, she's connecting, um, and we are waiting for her to return. Today is a fine day in Daly City, California. We are um, I've just been uh, editing a bunch of podcasts. And hello, are you back? Hey, yeah, sorry. Okay. I uh, I think you. It seems like you couldn't hear what I was saying. Okay, yeah, I, I couldn't, but I think uh, I can hear you quite splendidly now. So oh, where, okay, where were we? Uh, we were talking about uh, subscription and um, like exploring that possibility. What what thoughts do you have on that? Okay, so with the to update consistently, you have to have content reliably, yeah. and I feel like you also need to have a pretty wide uh, content base just to start out with. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to put too many. We didn't want to count our aliens before they bursted out of someone's stomach, basically. So um, we just we just did a few clips to see how people liked it, and um, you know we're seeing what people find the most of to see what our users actually want. And I have seen some other viewing companies who do a subscription model uh, catch a little bit of flack for posting content that isn't in line with what their viewers really want. And mm-hmm. so you know if you're paying for four updates a month and you hate two of the updates then you start to have a little bit of animosity towards that company. So that's definitely not something I want to have this early in the game. So, um, so yeah, I think a VOD, a video on demand approach is, uh, I think it's the way to go mm-hmm. because people get exactly what they want. Actually you can price it low enough. Clipsdale again, I keep referring to that because it's kind of an inspiration. It's a huge site. It's empowered a lot of people, to producers, which is another thing we'd like to do in the future. We want to create a way for people to create VR porn content distribute it who wouldn't otherwise 
inclined to do so or have the knowledge or the means to. Yeah. So, um, you know, I just feel like when you do it that way, people know exactly what they're getting and uh, you can see exactly what people are enjoying. And then you can modify what you're creating based on that. I think I think that is extremely smart. I think, um, and and uh, here's here's the thing. I um when when uh, VCs ask me, you know, what do you what do you think is going to be the killer app for virtual reality? Immediately I say I don't know exactly what it is, but I can tell you with some uh, with some certainty that anything that any platform that allows user generated content to be you know grown organically. Um, those will be things that will compel people to come back to VR. And so what you guys are creating, yeah, yeah, you have your own content, but you're also allowing people and giving them the tools and abilities to come in and make their own porn and, you know, share it and view it in VR. That sounds fucking awesome. I I think that would that's killer right there. Like that is killer material. Um, And so I wonder, like, are you guys thinking about growing through the the regular means of just, you know, selling subscriptions, growing little by little, or are you trying to get accelerated through VC money? What, what is your, you know, what is your, your strategy going forward look like? That's my dollar question. <laughs> um, we'll probably be in a place where we're looking for VC funding soon. Um, we want to get a little bit, so there's a project where we're going to have a beta version available, um, which I really want to tell you about. Um, it's a dating simulation, and it's a game, basically, where you would, it's going to start, I'm going to be the first small part, obviously, because I am free for me to shoot, and basically it's going to be um, a structured game with different options, uh, probably about four options to interact with, and you talk to her, and based on your, based on what you say to her, and the way you engage with her, and how uh, fun you are in your discussion, she'll respond differently, she'll react differently. So if you too forward too soon, she'll be freaked out and she won't want to talk to you anymore. She won't want to continue the conversation. But if you play your cards right and you, you know, say the right time, then you'll get to see a way clip her masturbating for, for you, basically. Yes. Um, and, yeah, yeah so it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's a game. It's not. It's not just you know, static content. It's really interactive and it's really cool. And it's also a little bit educational. We're really putting a lot of thought into how we're structuring the communication. I've got um, several dating coaches that I'm talking to about it to try to make sure that we're taking the right approach and refining our structure. Um, my girlfriend is a dating coach. She's a seduction coach for women. Uh, and then our good friend, Adam, is going to give some input, I think. And then my roommates, uh, Annie Cruz and Dr. D are both lifestyle dating people. So I've got a lot of that community who are sharing their input into this. That's so I'm really amazing. stoked. Um, I wish I could tell you the models that I am planning to shoot for it, but again, it's a little too early, but they're really, they're women that I look up to, women that I admire deeply and who I have found to be very inspirational in my career. So um, I'm really psyched. Um, that's the cool thing I think about or one of the cool things, there are a lot of cool things about what we're doing, but something that I'm excited about is getting to see, like, my friends in virtual reality. And my friends are the porn stars that, like, most people jerk off to. Like, most people, when you see them, like, you know who they are. Mm -hmm. A lot, there are a lot of companies making a lot of porn, but 
I don't think many of them are really based in Porn Valley with access to the models that people are like familiar with who, you know, they've jerked it to for years. <laughs> so I'm pretty psyched about that. And of course, those are like my peers, my friends, my contemporaries. And so it's really cool being able to lift them up and give them opportunities. And um, one of the, the ways that I am going about filming is um, so in the adult in the adult world, uh, performers do something called trade content with each other, which basically empowers everybody. So we make money when producers hire us, which are the big companies. Mm -hmm. But we also make money by producing our own content and selling it through our websites or through our clips for sale stores or what have you, custom clients. Um, so rather than paying a small one-time model fee, which for solo masturbation in the industry, like the standard industry rate for that is not all that much, but so instead of giving like a one-time small fee, I give them content. So they shoot this stuff for me, and then I'll shoot a scene with them that they have exclusive rights to to sell in perpetuity, and they get the opportunity to make considerably more money from the exchange, and I get exclusive content, and everybody wins, and everybody gets like a little bit of an entrepreneurial boost and gets to, you know, do their own shit. And I think that that's what's really going to drive the adult industry. It has been driving the adult industry in a really positive way when um, the people who are on camera, who are the objects of our sexuality, also get to be the producers of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I like the, and sorry to interrupt, but I, I like the, I, I really like that empowerment um, vision behind, you know, just cutting out as many middlemen as possible and, and letting the creators really um uh, benefit as much as they can from the content they create that's really awesome um, yeah and like i said um wilford my dear friend he's he's not a performer but he's got very deep porn industry roots he's one of i think one of the best photographers in the adult industry altogether both in terms of his talent and in terms of the way that he respects and communicates with the women he works with he has so much respect for them and it's something that i think is very important to champion in the adult industry because a lot of people hear porn and they think exploitation they think you know harmful scenarios and women being uh in hostile environments and it's just not the case it's actually a really great industry to be and i'm super thrilled with it they're definitely ways that it can improve and that's kind of what we're trying to do by giving people more power by giving people the opportunity to rise up and taking bit by bit some of that money out of the pockets of the big big companies which you know i don't need to name but um yeah i'm all for that i really am and and so you know just shifting things a little bit i i wonder you know when you when you talk about vr porn to people have you gotten skeptical reactions and, and 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 if you have received or have heard of some skeptical reactions what are their what are those reactions hinging on you know why would why would someone say um that vr porn isn't better than what we already have you know i have not gotten that <laughs> everybody's fucking psyched people are pumped yeah. they're so jazzed for this and when i tell them about it well, partially because anybody I'm telling about it, for the most part, already like have come to terms with the fact that I do porn and I am a producer of porn. I'm a pornographer and a smut peddler, and they're fine with that. So, um, you know, when I tell brand new people, I think they're more shocked by the fact that it's porn than the fact that it's VR porn. But people who hear about it are so excited about it. It's exactly the it's the intuitive step to take. Yeah, you can experience this new reality. You want to do it with your dick. <laughs> Yes, you do. 
<laughs> I'm ready. My body is ready for that. And so in, 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 in vision, envisioning like how this new, you know, media consumption paradigm looks like, I mean, do you see any obstacles to, you know, consuming VR porn that needs to get worked out? You know, things that, you know, are they any issues right now with, with VR porn? Like, for example, I, you know, if, if I have a Gear VR and I'm trying to jerk off to VR porn, do I, um, I wonder if I'll need to be constantly looking down at my penis to hold on to it. No, I think it should be okay. But I mean, I'm wondering what other, what user, are there user challenges to VR porn? I mean, uh, okay. at this point. I can only, as a, if you want me to speak as a user, mm -hmm. my experience is different from most. I think, um, women's VR porn is something that would be a really cool thing to make. There are different constraints, I think, that need to be made in terms of that. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, I think the user base is just too small to accommodate at this moment. Um, in terms of a user experience, that's kind of what I want to hear from people. I mean, I don't have a penis. I don't know what it's like to hold it while I masturbate or, like, look down and not see it. One thing that I think would be a really great step is, like, some kind of external camera that you can set that will pick up, like, your body and, like put it into virtual reality. So when you look down, it's your actual dick and not some weird CGI dick that someone else manifested. Um, I think that would be cool. Um, obviously, haptics are the rage. They need to come and happen now. I think most of the stuff is just kinks that need to be ironed out, just like with any new media, any new form of production. There's things you have to learn and accommodate and work through on the way. I, I feel like it's just a matter of time. Like I cannot wait for like a year from now to just jump past all of the development and like get to that step because oh god there's just so much cool shit happening yeah it's just waiting for it to happen i think it'd be cool they had uh oh fuck i don't remember the name of the company but they had these things at the vr uh vrla that mm -hmm. conference mm -hmm. um where i met you mm -hmm. and um these things that like go on your feet and so like in virtual reality like when you move your feet they move in the headset yeah that's so cool. And I asked him if it would be possible to like make a cock ring from that, which I think would be a good step towards making your penis feel more like your penis in VR. But again, I don't have one, so I can't say for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> I think I think you ran into Stomps. That might have been Matt Carell Stomp. at Stomps. Yep, yep. that's one. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. And have you, by the way, seen Tactical Haptics by any chance? The, the haptic controllers? Um, they're... They're from Will Provostchair. He's uh, and Mike Jones. They're they're working together on creating these controllers coming out of um, research from University of Utah, and they have these controllers where it's hard to describe, but they got these like grips that that if you hold with you know in your hand, like uh, let's say you have a, a fishing rod simulator, when you show when you throw the fishing rod out, the, there's many like mini motors inside the inside the controller that like shift up and down and and sort of mimic and give you this weird sense of like oh my god they're uh, there i'm really holding a fishing rod here's the thing i think will provincher could make billions of dollars if he turned that into a teledildonics device if he if he turned those motors and stuff and turned it into a cylinder where i can put my penis in and then and then you know have those motors grind up and forth in all sorts of eight different directions i think 
Yeah, it would be insane. I I'm already I I just my pants got wet just thinking about it. Um, you, you talk to him about the things you want to do with his device and your penis. No, no, I want to have him on the podcast, but if <laughs> again, so, he didn't with that. So yeah. let's talk about my penis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, okay. So tell dildonics or or, or haptic um, the devices. What about for women? Like, what do you what do you think women? Um, will be using to simulate, you know, sex for, for VR. There's, I'm so bad at remembering company names that I feel extra bad for forgetting this one. In fact, I'm going to ask my friend really quick because I should name drop them. There's a company right now making, um, basically what they're doing is they're taking Lilo vibrators, which are one of the most popular vibrators for women. Um, they're very fancy, they're very sleek, they're very high-end, they're very well-made. Um, they're taking Lilo vibrators and syncing them up and, like, basically manu manually creating, like, vibration systems that go along with, or sequences that go along with porn. So when you watch the porn, your vibrator vibrates based on what's happening on screen. Um, they're working, I think the issue is that women's vibrators are so much more complex um, than men's sex toys like a flashlight compared to a lilo has so much less components so many so much fewer components in it yeah. so they just aren't capable of basically responding in the same way um i think for women something like that a vibrator whatever your favorite vibrator is because chicks are really particular and widely variable in what they look for in a vibrator um but yeah, I think something like that, something that syncs up with your vibrator and what's going on on screen. Yeah, and the, yeah. See, to, in my experience, I um, especially when I was an adolescent, I think I used to uh, hump and put my uh, I, and put the law through any orifice I could find. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's just testosterone. I, I remember one of my favorite things was uh, toilet to, toilet paper rolls, and it was oh, yeah, so like gross. a uh, jail pussy. So, yeah. <laughs> That's it. So gross, man. So gross. Because I would never, I wouldn't tell anybody. Hey, you know, don't use that toilet paper roll. I've been. Well, you would use the one still available for yeah. humans to use. You yeah. would like take the empty one. I'm gross. I'm sorry. Dude, that's <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, um, I'm, uh, I was a teenager. That, that, that's all I can say. And yeah, I, I, I and a human. <laughs> but uh, what do you think, by the way? What do you think having a penis would feel like, by any chance? Have you ever wondered? There are so many joke opportunities that I could take, but I won't. Um, have I wondered? I mean, kind of, but not. I don't know. I've worn a strap on plenty of times. So I imagine it'd be like that, but with a lot more sensation. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I like being a girl. Yeah. Awesome. I've had that thought. I've had that thought experiment. I've actually wondered, like, right, what would it be like to have a vagina? And oh, um, super cool. Is it's it? Cool. Like, yeah, having a vagina is basically the greatest. I highly recommend it. Uh, well, they they for sure they're indestructible. That's one thing. I mean, they they uh, they can they take. Differ. They, well, you're right. They they're very uh they're very elastic and they can bounce back from just about anything. But oh my god, they're fussy little bitches sometimes. But they're totally worth it because vaginas are amazing. Well, yeah, I I gotta say they are they are better than balls. Balls are so they're so uh there's they get sweaty and they get stick they they stick to your leg and you know they're they're fragile and you gotta protect them. It's, yeah, uh, it seems really inconvenient. 
yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, it's 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 all worth it once someone's like once someone licks them. But other than that, I mean, yeah, they they are awfully inconvenient. Um, yeah, I, I, go going back going back to VR porn. Um, so so you guys are using holograms and you're using point of light. Um, you know what a how do you envision, you know, what is like your pie in the sky dream for technology? If you had a, you know, a budget, an unlimited budget, what would, what would be the thing that you'd create? Um, colonies on other planets. <laughs> <laughs> but for porn, for VR porn, um, I would love to just have like a chamber that has basically like cameras on every side of it that are super, super great. Like, uh, the, what is it? VR girl Z, um, website, like those, like those models that are, they're still, but they're shot from every angle with like super great cameras and they're super beautiful, but they just like don't move or do anything. Um, I would love to have something like that, but that I can shoot the way I'm shooting where people can do whatever the fuck they want. I would really love something that captures completely 360, um, with like both, uh, a wide shot and a zoom shot so you can like if you want to like get in closer you can like see that like hardcore close-up penetration or if you want to step back you can see like the couple fucking or however many people fucking or doing whatever they're doing um but yeah i would just love really 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 um well shot like really good cameras for this but um there's a lot of data involved in that, like a shitload of data. Yeah. Oh, that company I was talking about that syncs porno to Lilo vibrators is called Xsync. Xsync. Xsync.com. X-S-Y-N-C. And they're really cool people. They're really nice folks. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let, me, let me ask you another uh, random question. When you have thoughts inside your head, you know you know, you know the voice in, in, inside your head. Um, sure. What gender is that voice? It's genderless, um, and when I think too hard about it, it, like, disappears. It just becomes, like, images. Wow. But, but yeah, it's kind of genderless. It's ageless. It's just, it's almost like just text, but some other version, of, like, but not text. It's not text, and it's not, like, verbal words. Wow. Yeah, I I it, it I I fluctuate. Um, I, when I listen to the voice inside my head, and I try to pay attention to, like, what if I try to ask myself, like, what gender is this voice? And it fluctuates. Sometimes I hear a dude, sometimes I hear a girl. And uh, then I realize I'm weird. Um, Satan. What's your favorite part about porn? Like, when you when you watch porn yourself, you know, what, what, what scene is your favorite scene? I don't watch porn. Okay. It's weird. Like, I used to watch, I used to, okay, so when I was younger, I was uh, horrified by porn, mm -hmm. and then I learned more about it, and then as I started to learn more about porn, like, I used to, like, I don't know, girly mags and shit like that, um, and I used to, like, lesbian porn, but then I did lesbian porn for four and a half years, and now all I see is, like, my friends, and it's, like, really hard to remove my brain from like workspace because I just start thinking like oh my god that's really uncomfortable and wow she's really faking that or holy shit <laughs> girl you really made her come she's I fucked that girl and she is a tough one so props to you but it's not an arousing thought it's more like a camaraderie sort of thing so if I watch porn well I don't like watching my own porn unless I'm having sex with someone while doing it then it's kind of hot but that's the only way I can tolerate watching my own shit 
um, I don't know. I jerk off to other things. I read books and textbooks and Reddit and watch shitty TV shows and masturbate. I'll drive and masturbate. I do everything else and masturbate. If I had to watch porn and masturbate, I would never do anything. I jerk off more than anyone I know. <laughs> like, I would have nothing to do with my life. So, um, I don't know. I don't really watch it except, like, I'll watch scenes they're being shot. I'll watch porn as it's being produced. Mm-hmm. I'll watch everything. Like, I'm not... Like, porn isn't a foreign thing. I'm not unfamiliar with it. I'm not unfamiliar with, like, the storylines or the scripts or the way it unfolds. They're certainly not the sex things themselves. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to sound like I don't, I'm not familiar with it. I just don't – I don't know. I don't need it. I need it because I need to, like, pay my rent. So that's how I need porn. <laughs> wow. Uh, that was uh, that was an unexpected unexpected answer. But I can also understand wholeheartedly where you're coming from. Um, you know, I have a – I have you, and you. I think you hit on something really um, that I think is an issue. Uh, I, me personally, I feel like I spend way too much time watching porn, um, and it's all because I'm trying to find the right video, the right thing that I'm in the mood for. If VR could help me through its interface, help me find porn faster, execute and get out faster than the regular paradigm, then I have a, then I have a, a, an extremely compelling reason to use VR over what we already have. Do you think that's a possibility? Do you think that the interface could help in terms of discovery and, you know, and just getting it over with us as soon as possible? What do you think? Well, to answer your question with a question, do hmm. you actually know what you want? Or are you looking for the, like, you know what it is when you see it? I think it, I know what it is when I see it. So I think the solution here is not VR porn or traditional porn or fucking anything. I think it is learning what you like and what turns you on. So what I would say is keep a record of the porn that you watch. I know this sounds very, um, very clinical for something that is masturbatory, but like go through and like keep track of the porn that you watch, rate it, like keep a fucking spreadsheet. uh, Talk about like keep, notes on what turned you on, what turned you off, um, what really weird thing you didn't expect to enjoy but did, if there is one, from it. Um, maybe it's a certain performer. Maybe it's redheads. Maybe it's girls who squirt. Maybe it's girls who have, like, very large labias. Maybe it's anal. Maybe it's, like, anal cream pies. Maybe it's interracial gangbangs with clowns and butterflies. Fucking whatever it is, find what the things are, what the key elements are that you actually enjoy and pursue that because you can like we live in an age of best book porn which means you can get whatever the fuck you want if it doesn't exist you can call it into existence simply by tweeting at the right performers and throwing a couple hundred bucks at them which sounds like a lot for porn but this is like your very own porn that they'll say your name they'll fist their asshole they'll do whatever you want them to do if you right girl there's definitely girls I, mean, I keep saying girl i should say woman um because we're adults but if you find the right performer like, there's someone who specializes in everything, you wow. know? Uh, if you want a transsexual performer that looks like Barbie and deep throats like a champion, I got a girl for you, you know? Like, they're out there. Her name is Juliet Stray, and she's gorgeous. But, like, whatever you're into, it's there. And with VR, we can just make that experience that much more amazing. You can already get custom porn. Now, like, we're going to start offering custom holograms very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... If people really wanted it, we'd probably create it now. Like, if someone reached out to us and they were willing to pay, you know, for the performers and the production, 
you could absolutely have that. But before you can get to that point, before VR, like VR isn't going to be a magic wand that changes everything and makes your boner super happy until you learn to make your boner happy yourself and you learn what it wants. So figure out what you like. Let go. Let the fuck go right now of any shame you have about your sexuality. If you like putting things in your butt and you're a dude and you don't like whatever implications go along with that, let go of those fucking implications. Like if it's bringing you pleasure, that's cool. That's positive. And you're not hurting anyone. And it's consensual. You know, like if you like watching gay porn, that doesn't necessarily make you gay. That just makes you have an orgasm and that's okay. Just accept it. Like, I think a lot of people have a lot of shame around their sexuality and especially around what turns them on, especially people who have like kind of niche fetishes and even fetishes that aren't niche at all. Like I have so many foot fetish fans, so many. And that's, I think the third most common fetish and they have so much shame about their fetish and about what they're into. And, you know, I know men who have had horrible, horrible experiences trying to find a relationship that works for them because they just can't be honest with themselves enough to be upfront about what they're into with women. And so it comes as a surprise later and it's someone who doesn't share that kink. Like I'm very, uh, I very much support being open and honest and upfront about what you're into and what turns you on because there's nothing wrong with what turns you on in your head, even if it's something really weird and fucked up, as long as you're executing it in a way that is safe that's not harming anyone and that is entirely consensual with everyone involved, you know? I would vote for you for president. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, pre- <laughs> oh, I'm actually a, an elected official in porn. Did you know that? Are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm on the board of directors and I'm the secretary of the Adult Performer Advocacy Committee, um, which is part of why performer rights are so important to me. That's amazing. Um, and I, you know, going back to your point, I think uh, you're 100% right. Like It is the 21st century. We are, um, I feel like, yeah, it's just like you said, you know, you, you chase the things that make you happy and don't worry about what other people think as long as you're not hurting others and it's all consensual and things like that. Um, yeah. Nothing has to know. Like, your porno can be your private. Like, porn is a very public thing for me. I didn't even know what um, incognito mode was until... I met these college kids. They were like, oh, you've never used incognito mode, but how do you, oh, you don't hide that you do porn. Okay. <laughs> but like, apparently it's a thing that people hide. Like, nobody has to know what you're into, but if your partners don't know, then they can't accommodate it. So have a discussion. Like, if you're adult enough to have sex and to draw off the things, then you should be adult enough to be able to articulate what you're into and what makes you happy and what doesn't make you happy, especially what doesn't make you happy. And uh, I find this is, more often the case with women, but is certainly across the board. Like, if there's something that you're so not okay with, you don't have to do it. Like, just because your partner likes it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. What if? Okay. All right. Here, here we go. What if? What if I'm into like public exhibitionism? That is. Is isn't that like a, a, a well? I I, I don't I don't like I wouldn't want to do it. I think I'm more interested in watching people do it. Okay, you should check out Public Disgrace. It's a site by Kink, but it's very hard on BDSM. Um, But yeah, they do a lot of public sex. They go to fucking Eastern Europe and they shoot like huge scenes in like the middle of cities and shit. You love it. (laughs) It's into bondage, but if you're not into bondage, it might be a little extreme for you. Okay, I'm open-minded. I'll check it out. Um, What about the strangest uh, scene or scene in porn that you heard of 
um, can you can you expand? I'm I'm curious. I I wonder like you talked about interracial clown porn, um, but I wonder like have you experienced one of those things where it's like extremely ultra niche or heard of something? I've done a lot of really ultra niche stuff. I have, in fact, um, I'm wearing a watch right now that is a gift from one of my fans who has a wristwatch fetish, and he sends me so many fancy expensive watches. I've got like. I don't know, probably two dozen at this point. And um, I just did this really big series for a company called Adam and Eve, which is a really big porn company. It was really big and exciting for me. And I had like seven wardrobe changes. So with each outfit, I would wear a different wristwatch that he gave me just because he'll fucking love that. But um, so that's kind of strange. Um, in terms of like really crazy scenes, um, it's really hard to phase me these days. But I would say one of the most bizarre, funny ones that I've heard lately was uh, my friend James did... Uh, he used to shoot for a company called evil angel and he did uh like the seven deadly sins and so he fucked a bunch of girls all wearing masks of his face so it's like james dean fucking lots of girls that look like james dean and it was so it was so funny uh that sounds insane and i i i I, well here's the thing what if i want to have sex with myself i probably could do that in vr now um oh yeah probably i mean yeah i could I could definitely see that. Like, I could go into my living room right now, shoot a video of myself. Um, I guess it's hard for me to fuck myself since all I have is holes. But you have two holes, so you could put something in your butt and then use a flashlight and feel like you're fucking yourself, and that would be cool. Oh, now I wish I had a penis. Yeah. But uh, let's switch. Let's switch a little bit to colonies. You, 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 if you had, I asked you if we had unlimited money, what would you do? You, you'd start a colony somewhere in another planet. I, I let's. I want to explore this. I want to know where this comes from. Why colonies and and what's what's driving that? I don't. I haven't really thought it out that much. I've actually spent most of my time planning the porn company. But once I pull a team together let's do another podcast and we'll totally talk colonies yeah i'm down what planet ideally would you like to colonize and i, I mean what uh, can we uh, is there going to be like is a fr- <laughs> <laughs> no. um, I don't, I don't know. yeah something well, well, plebeian ones that are named after gods come on of course creative Yes. Um, Did you know, I have five stars. Like, you know, they have those stupid, like, total money-consuming bullshit things where you can, like, name a star after your girlfriend for your anniversary, and it's, like, a nothing thing that's just a piece of paper because you can't name a fucking star, but it's cute. Yeah. Um, so, I have a five-star pussy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I can believe that. There are five stars in the sky dedicated to my vagina now, thanks to whatever registry bullshit that was. <laughs> What's five it? stars. Five. Not not four. Five. What is five. the most flattering thing a fan has done for you? Um, are you, have you? You know, I've got. There's. The so last year was a really tough year for me. I like was homeless for a little while. I was going through a really nasty divorce. It was a really shitty time. Lots of good shit going on also, but it was very stressful. I was transitioning into playgirl porn, which. Uh, took some time to kind of take hold and I was struggling finding the right agent. Um, and the girl, girl stuff had kind of died down a little bit since I wasn't focusing on booking myself and I was my own agent for so long. So, um, it was a really shitty time and I had, um, 
several of my fans who were really supportive and really helpful and really went out of their way to like just give a shit and like check in on me and help me out um you know like one of them still like he's way 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 too kind to me like I don't know what I did to deserve some of this kind in my life but he's super great to me he's super cool um like he bought me the macbook that I'm talking to you on he bought me an iphone for valentine's day he bought me a, just yesterday I got a vitamix and a really expensive fancy curling iron and a necklace that's like an actual piece of meteorite. Um, that's awesome. And, you know, he's not trying to fuck me. He's not trying to, like, that's not what he's after. He's really cool. We hang out. I have lunch with him sometimes. He's just really nice. He just really is cool. He's a really good dude. And, um, you know, he gives a shit about people who are important to him. And that's really cool. So I guess friendship is the best thing my fans have given me. That's amazing. And, yeah. But mostly, like, just giving a shit um my friend sin sage she's um i don't know if you're familiar with her she's a lesbian performer or girl girl performer Mm -hmm. um she's fucking gorgeous um she's been in the industry for longer than i have by a couple years and right around the time i was getting into the industry i think she had a really terrible snowboarding accident she was in a coma for like a week or something and um during that time her fans and producers and performers people uh, but especially her fans really came through and uh, helped her out with her medical bills because it was in Canada. So for some reason, her or maybe it was here. I don't know. It was a whole bunch of medical bills. And these people who, you know, only know her because she fucks on camera gave enough of a shit to, like, help her out in her time of need. And um, sh- this is public knowledge, so I can talk about it. But um, I think it was last year at Avian at the big porn conference. Mm-hmm. She was on her way to the red carpet and she had a fucking seizure, and she had to go to the hospital instead of going to the award show where her scene won Best Girl Girl Scene of the Year. So that happened. And again, like, these people just, they really come through. Like, people talk a lot of shit about porn fans and, like, you know, how skeevy people are for liking porn stars or talking to porn stars or whatever and whatever else they're after. But when it comes down to it, they're people who feel a connection with someone who's made a difference in their lives, and that's a really cool thing. Wow, that's not, that's an amazing thing to have. You have she has family. She through through her yeah. fans. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and that's actually how she came. Like that's how her parents found out. And what a great way for your parents to find out that you do porn by like all of your fans pouring in support and care and like help for you. Like it pretty much made that discussion really easy for her. Yeah, that's for sure. Wow. I, think, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for her, but. No, of course, but that sounds that yeah, it's still it's still an amazing story. That's uh, an it's an inspiring thing. Um, you know, out of of all the people you come up, come across um, that are trying to do porn, you know, what is, you know, how do you you know what are what is the average that like make it to a point where they're self sustain sustaining? I mean, it, is it is it difficult to survive as a as a performer in the porn industry these days, or is it easier? What do you think? Well, it's a lot harder than it used to be, for sure, because tube sites and this, uh, like, torrents and everything, um, people just don't want to pay for porn as much. People don't buy DVDs as much. It's just, um, there's not nearly as much money in the industry as there once was, mm-hmm. which is something that I think could really change, because it offers brand new experiences, at least for a little while. But in terms of uh, performers, I think, I, I don't have statistics on me right now, but I think... Um, the average career length for a new woman coming into the industry is like three months because it is 
becoming a lot less taboo. It's much more acceptable, especially with the proliferation of camming and like everybody and their fucking mom cams these days. So everybody's naked on the internet. So I think it's just less impact. So you get a lot of people who are teenagers right out of high school or in college, just trying to pay for college. Um, and you know, they come in just for the temporary cash grab and they just want to do this and then be done with it. Um, then you've got the ones who really want to make a career out of it. And I think if you really, really want it, you can do it. Um, even if you're not a traditional body type, even if you're not traditional in like typical attractive features or whatever, you can still find a niche. You can produce porn. You can make your clips for sales store. You can start a website. Like you can make porn for make love, not porn and put up as many videos as you want. And you get a cut of that. Like if you really fucking want to do it, you can do it. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of, um, knowledge about your body it you need to educate yourself about sexual health because whatever you know about sexual health you can definitely learn more and you're going to and you want to learn it secondhand before you learn it firsthand on set with everybody watching Mm -hmm. um there's you know you need to learn a lot about the industry there's a lot of initiatives and potential legislation coming up um let's see next month there's a big meeting with Cal OSHA where they're trying to legislate a bunch of things in porn. Um, there may eventually be a license to be a porn performer. And, um, you know, in that case you would have to be educated on bloodborne pathogens on STIs on, you know, we, we undergo an entire panel of testing for, for making porn. You have to, Oh God, it's syphilis. HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, hep B, hep C, and trichomoniasis. Um, and it's like 160 bucks a month. Or no, every two weeks. We have to do it every two weeks. So, like, you need to know how those uh, infections are spread. What is the higher risk acts to do that? Like, it's more about knowledge than about, like, making money. You can make money if you get naked on the internet. You can cam. You can shoot a video on your fucking iPhone, mm-hmm. you know? It's... It's more about, I think, preparing yourself for it and taking into consideration the fact that this is going to change your life. There are jobs, there are doors, there are fucking entire wings of the building of life that are going to close for you because you do porn. But there's also a lot of liberation and a lot of freedom and a lot of creative and entrepreneurial opportunities that you don't really have otherwise or that are probably a little bit more lucrative than if you were just an indie filmmaker. Um, I don't know. There's The biggest hurdle is being able to hold on because it can be very draining. You're giving a big part of yourself away. Um, you know, you have to figure out what you want to give to people. I'm Ella darling is the brand and the performer. And you know, there are parts of my genuine self that I have to keep just for me and my loved ones because otherwise I'd go fucking insane. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Um, what happens, what happens after, what, what do you, what happens after porn? What do, what do people usually end up doing after their career is, is coming down to, you know, close? Well, there's no usual really. There's, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have come out of porn in a lot of different ways with a lot of different mentalities. Um, it's not uncommon for people to kind of fizzle out and then start to resent the adult industry. Um, you know, you get used to having a lot of money very quickly for a day of work, it can be really hard to go back to like a normal job or an office, or maybe you realize you've been doing porn since you were 18 and this is, you know, the only thing you've ever done. And it's hard to harness these skills into a new career. Um, so a lot of people struggle. 
Um, one of the things that we're focusing on with APAC is uh, the Adult Performer Advocacy Committee is um, helping people like find life after porn, like guiding people out of porn. Um, because even though you might not think so, there's actually a lot of skills that are uh, that are sharpened on set. You can learn a lot about production if you pay attention and if you talk to the right people. People on set love would love to tell performers all about their job mm-hmm. and about how to gaff a set or how to do the lighting or how to run camera, you know, editing. Like there's so much that you can do behind the scenes if you want to stay in the industry. Um, And this also applies to people who, if you get an STI, an incurable STI, then you can't perform anymore. If you get syphilis, then that's it, you know? Um, So there are plenty of opportunities still within the industry, still within the community that you've grown to love and to understand and to relate to. Um, I think it's important for people when they leave porn to maintain contact with the sex worker community, whether it's, and this applies to all sex workers, I think, but like with the people who were once in it, because those are the people who are really going to understand you the most. Like it's such a douchey term and I use it unhesitatingly until now, but um, like civilians, like non-porn people don't know what it's like to have your genitals in a stranger's mouth every day of the week for money and not be phased by it or grow attached or jealous just you know it's Hmm. it's weird and you need to hold on to that community to like remember who you were and where you come from and you know the things that make you different to have that cathartic communication with those people um i don't know i let's see a couple weeks ago on set there was a veteran porn performer who is like the on-set chef for this set and it was really cool Hmm. um People go into, people write books, people do radio, people um, become, I don't know, there's lots of ways to utilize your skills, but there's definitely not one average, one typical thing. Um, I would love to see um, like a porn alumni situation where uh, you leave porn, but you still are like valued for the work that you did. Mm -hmm. And so you don't start to resent the industry for like taking your best years and your job opportunities. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a really, it's a really heavy topic. It is, it is, and it's uh, wow. I'm well, there's, you know, every subject matter it has its own universe, you know, for all I know inside of, and it's uh, it's so fascinating to just be able to learn a little bit, you know. Um, and, and so going back to VR, I I want to know what you think are, you know, what do you think are how disruptive or not is VR going to be to the porn industry in, in the future? Um, what do you think? Um, it's good. It's a big deal. I mean, porn is already starting to adapt this month, uh, AVN magazine, which is like the, I would say probably the biggest industry news source. Um, their entire issue is VR. The cover is this really cool futuristic girl with like a nondescript headset. And they did a big article on virtual reality and porn. And then they did a separate article just about my company, which is really cool. Hey. Hey, um, Mark Kearns from AVN like came to set and interviewed us. It was super cool. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, porn is gonna fucking jump into it as soon as it's proven itself. It needs to be a proven market and it needs to be a lot easier than it is now. It's still, um, like you have to have specialized knowledge to do VR right now. You have to have a plan. Like there's so much that you have to know and there are so many, uh, so many approaches that seem intuitive that just don't work. Um, that people are going to have to struggle through and figure out. And I don't know, hopefully I would love to be, you know, a company that other companies come to, to like move into that space and help get them into that marketplace. Um, 
that's something I'd really like to do. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and so how are you guys navigating the, you know, the, the distribution of your content or, and, and how will you, you know, how will you deal with it in the future where, uh, wherein, you know, for example, companies like Oculus, they're, they're, they're shying away from porn, you know, from hosting any kind of porn, okay. even though you can still, uh, use the hardware to get the content. They, they're officially not, uh, on, on board with it. Um, and, they make an official statement. Do, you, do I think there's going to be an official statement? Did they make one? No. Um, or it's I feel just, I mean, everybody knows Facebook bought them, and Facebook is not friends with porn. Yeah. Like, at all. So that doesn't surprise me in the least. As long as the hardware can still be utilized for it, and one way or another, there's going to be hardware that will allow for porn. Like, even if somehow Oculus bans anything that shows a nipple, like, that's just going to make other headsets be... Uh, have a stronger place in the marketplace because if you're the one who lets me see tits, then I'm going to buy the one that lets me see tits because in the end I want to play games. I want to do cool shit. I want to watch weird, crazy movies, but mostly I want to jerk off. And I think that's what most people, at least at this juncture feel when it comes to the Oculus in the future, when it becomes more of a household item, certainly that will not be the case. But right now the people who can afford it and who have the time to research it and know anything about it, those people want porn. Yeah. There, it's it's clear. It's super clear to me. I mean, every video on YouTube that goes up that has the word VR and porn in them, it goes, you know, gets hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of views. Um, and and I think that is a sign of how much of a demand that might have in the future. People people are really gonna like um, go go. Or they're really gonna go after it. Um, and in estimating this market, like, what are your you know, since you might hit up VCs, what do you think are the profit projections for VR porn? You know, in the first couple of years, what is, is there? Are you guys making any estimations as to how much profit VR porn will make? Man, I just fucking work here. I don't know. Talk to my, <laughs> you can call the manager tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Love your answer. <laughs> Let me ask you a timeless, ageless question. Um, in your experience, is it about the size or is it about the the, the motion of the ocean? Um, it's about respecting your partner's desires mm. and feelings. Like, it doesn't really matter if you even have a dick. If mm. you focus on getting your partner off and you listen to what they're interested in and what they want to do and what they want to try and you are open to experimenting, that's what counts. And actually giving a shit about the person. I think it's important to actually like the person you're having sex with and not just want an orgasm from them. Um, my friend Lily Cade taught me that or told me that. And it's true. Like, if you just want to take something from someone, if you just want to get off rather than have, like, foster a shared experience and you just, like, genuinely like them and want them to feel really amazing, then I think that makes more difference than an inch or two on your cock. Yeah. Wow, you've just exploded my mind with this answer that I have now will take into heart. Uh, that's a uh, wow. That's that was deep, Ella, darling. I have to think about my the way I go about my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so going back to porn again, VR porn. Um, what about the shared experiences in what you talked about? Like, it, you know, VR porn. In my opinion, it, it can be a at this point a bit of a solitary experience yeah there's a girl or a guy hologram in front of you but 
you know, are you guys toying with the idea of incorporating multiple people inside the same space, watching the same um, scene, or, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like a VR strip club kind of thing. Yeah. Or, yeah, we've talked about that. We've um, explored it. Um, I don't know how much um, of a social experience people want their porn to be. I mean, do you ever see, like, the reposts on Reddit of, like, a porn site with, like, a share on Facebook button, and it's like, why would I want to share this on Facebook? Yeah. Like. I think a lot of people feel strange about sharing that experience with people, though. I mean, I guess if you're, I don't know. Um, I think camming is going to be a big deal. I think streaming like live cam VR is going to be the biggest thing because it's already, um, you know, camming is a very, very lucrative marketplace. Um, women can make far more camming than they can in porn. Like if I spent all of the time, that I used to spend doing all of my own booking, all of my own marketing and promotion, all of the actual days on set. If I spent that time camming, I would have made so much more money. But I hate camming. Like, I like it in a few scenarios, but, like, it's just... I would rather be back in an office job, basically. But you can make a lot of money camming because people want that personal experience. They want that touch. They they don't want to just watch orgasms on their screen they want to feel like they're actually involved they want to feel that intimacy um even if they aren't engaging even the dudes who didn't chat with me even the ones who would just come in and like demand to see my tits and then leave after 30 seconds like they're still paying by the minute they still like well i guess not for 30 seconds but like they would even the ones who didn't engage were still paying money and a lot of money uh you know my rate was like i don't know ten dollars a minute and that was worth it. Like $10, you could buy, I don't know. I don't even know how much internet porn that buys you. That's probably half a monthly subscription to most sites these days. Hmm. And that's just for one minute, one minute of sexual experience with a live performer was worth half a month's worth of porn cash to these people. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what is it that turned you turned uh, put you off from it? I mean, what was it? What is it about it that you you feel like uh, like there's something better? Oh, it's just a personal preference. It's just um, I had a really great camming situation where like there was this really cool studio in the valley, and I would drive there and cam for like hours at a time, and it was like a little family, you know. There were these two dudes in the office that would monitor the girls' screens, and they would boot anybody who's being awful or harassing us or saying nasty shit. Um, they would like. I don't know. They would just kind of like do all the behind the scenes stuff for us. And it was like one dude who was basically everyone's like porno cam studio dad. And the other one was like everybody's little brother. And we would sit around and we'd smoke weed and we'd smoke cigarettes and we'd hang out and like we go cam for half an hour, an hour or so. And then we'd take a break and we'd have like family dinner at the strip club next door. And like, it was just super fun. There was even a dog named dog. (laughs) Um, and it was super nice. And then um, the owner decided to fire the two dudes in the studio and replace them with someone else who was uh, the management was just too different. And so I think it's like I'm trying to hold on to this lovely experience that I had. So I don't know. So everything else just kind of pales in comparison. And it also isn't as instantly uh, exciting for me. It's more like, I don't know. I can't explain it. Yeah, no, no worries. Who's who's the me- who's the best person you've ever had sex with? Myself. Oh, of course. <laughs> I am someone that I know through 
um, some of the work I'm doing right now. He knows who he is. He will listen to this. Cool. He doesn't need his ego stroked anymore. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, congratulations. Um, to, <laughs> uh, that's that's awesome. And okay, um, Ella, darling, I don't want you to go. Um, I want to keep talking to you, but I feel like I. I, you mind if I look through? I, I actually prepared questions a month okay. in advance for this conversation. That is so precious. Let's um, go for your questions. Yeah. So. I'm patronizing. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be patronizing. No, no, you're not at all. I actually because I I I was like okay I need I think I need to make sure that this one comes out good. Um, uh-huh. And so. I cut this around. Are you gonna edit it or is it just gonna go up raw dog? Yeah, raw dog. Um, <laughs> Okay, so let's see. Uh, so I asked you about the clitoris. I asked you, um, should uh, should do you think, you know, do you think VR and AR will compete with each other for 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 porn? So, for example, you know, with Magic Leap, this augmented reality thing where things, you know, where the world that you are seeing all of a sudden has a new layer of data in front of it versus VR where you're inside the world and you're, you know, you're, you're taken on for the ride. Uh, in terms of the porn area, like, which one do you think will be more most compelling for users? Um, AR porn or VR porn? Um, I don't know. I would love to find that out myself. I feel like AR porn has a lot of potential. Um, it's just a little bit harder to implement and there's not as much of a push as I think there should be to like implement that right now. Um, I think it's probably a matter of preference. I think VR porn gives you the opportunity to explore much more outrageous fantasies, you know? Um, but I think it's really, that's something that's probably just a matter of preference. Yeah, that, that that's for sure. Um, the other question that I have is, have you heard of the effect of the phantom limb effect that people get? Do they get that with VR? Uh, I wonder if you could get that with VR, like like phantom dick or, or phantom that's pussy. I don't know. So phantom limb, the phantom limb effect is when someone who has something amputated, uh, like a hand, for example, still feels that limb, even though it is no longer there physically. And then... Yeah, that's just it. Yeah. So no, um, I feel like the reason why that happens is because that limb already existed and your brain already has like the pathways to accommodate it. I don't know that my brain is going to create the pathways for a dick that has no like, I don't know, nerves in it or anything at all. But that's an interesting possibility. Yeah, I, I I would like to see what if that would be an inter- is something that could be explored, you know, for science. Um, if you can grow out any limb, any kind of limb, um, uh, which would it be? Um, I don't know. God, um, any limb? There's only four limbs to choose from. I think I'd want to just be like Stretch Armstrong and be able to like grow and then like shrink back. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. I I'd like that. Um, I'd like them. I like a monkey tail. If I could grow a monkey tail. Um... Oh, like anything. Okay. Um, I want. Um, I want. This isn't a limb, but I want bioluminescence. I want to be able to bioluminesce. Ooh. Um, I'd like antlers. Um, yeah, those two things are my 
the two things I'd most like to change about my body. I like that. If you could travel forward or backwards in time and you can only go in one direction and never come back, which one would it be? Dude, I'm a chick. How far back in time can I go without losing, like, all rights to, like, my body and my <laughs> possession and my civil rights? Like, of course, I'm going to go into the fucking future. <laughs> which, which, pick a, pick a year. Which year would you, would you go if you had to, if, I, if you had the time machine right in front of you right now? Oh, God. Um, I'd probably go, um... I'll say 1,000 years into the future, maybe 2,000. I don't know, because I guess it depends on, like, I don't know. If someone from 1,000 years ago teleported to, like, right now, mm-hmm. just travel through time, we wouldn't be, like, they wouldn't know what the fuck we were saying. Yeah. And, you know, so I'd like to go far enough into the future where English is still something that is at least decipherable. I imagine there's going to be some kind of Babelfish device, like, from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, where it's just going to be easy. But... I don't know. I should probably aim farther into the future to for that device to come about because we totally thought they'd be flying cars 15 years ago, and that shows how much we know about the future. Yeah. So let's say the year 5,000, just to be safe. Yeah, that I I'd like to see that too. If you could be, you know, with the advances of, of synthetic biology these days, I'm, and if a scientist, you know, 10 years from now came up and came out and said, all right, we have a pill that will help you not age or die anymore um would you take that i mean ideally how much time would you want to spend in this universe okay you don't age you don't die can you be harmed are you totally immortal do you regenerate very quickly like what is the extent here because can... like i already get botox so obviously <laughs> that applies that's interesting to me um i don't know yeah um I feel like it'd get really tedious. I'd want the option to be able to end my life. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, what happens if you, like, get crushed between two boulders and you're not capable of dying and you just remain stuck there for all eternity? That would be a bummer. That would be lame. Yeah. No, not cool. <laughs> I, I, so, I, I mean, yeah, let's say you, at, at what age would you say, all right, I had enough, you know? And by the way, you don't you you don't age. You don't you look exactly the same for the rest of your life. Um, I don't know. Last hmm. me, last me in a couple thousand years. Okay, I shall. Um, <laughs> if you had the ability to augment your brain, um, would you? If if I if Ray Kurzweil comes out and says, "All right, we develop a new form of neocortex that uh, that makes you a ten thousand times smarter than you are right now would you would you would you use this technology absolutely yeah <laughs> and i would suck his dick for it too just as a thank you <laughs> what would you do with this with this new power um just learn and read and consume knowledge and information yeah i'd go through the whole lord of the rings books just because they're so heavy um <laughs> Oh, heavy, cool. Heavy reading <laughs> that requires a brain ten thousand <laughs> times smarter than I am right now. <laughs> High school reading list. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I have faith in you. Thank you. <laughs> Are you more hopeful or pessimistic about the future of humanity? I'm always hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you what what obstacles do you anticipate for? You know, for for the progress of uh, virtual reality and VR porn, you know, what what do you think will be some of the biggest obstacles coming up in the future? 
Um, corporate control and censorship, and uh, th- those are the big things. I mean, already, like we were talking about, like Facebook, not okay with porn. Mm-hmm. So Oculus is on my Facebook. It stands to reason that they're not going to be okay with porn either, and that is going to be the biggest obstacle. People, I mean, already people are writing articles about my company, and, you know, I've, I get a lot of press, like, that my big focus personally, like, I'm not the programmer, I'm the one who knows the girls, I'm the one who gets, like, I know a lot of press people, I have a lot of good connections in that arena, and, um, yeah, it's just, they won't even link to our site. They can't link to our site. They'll say what it is, but they can't post a link a lot of the time because of their uh, their sponsors, because of their uh, search engine bullshit, <laughs> because of the people who throw money at their company and like make them exist. They can't even link to my site. They can talk to me, but they can't link to me. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's going to be the biggest thing in uh, inhibiting us. Yeah, that's that's so lame. I mean, that it's it's so lame that 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 something so natural for us humans to to experience is is taboo in the 21st century, and companies are scared to. Because um, I mean, that's one of the things that I I feel like I've noticed. It, it, you, it feels like in my mind that VR porn is going to be huge, but it doesn't seem like it out here, at least in Northern California. When I go to meetups or events, it's not. It doesn't seem clear that there is a, a movement of people. I mean, is it... Are, are okay, you... here's the thing that you have to understand. Okay. So, first of all, the tech industry is not... A, despite what one may think, it's actually very intimidating and not terribly welcoming of uh, porn people, and especially, like, it can be kind of weird for women, and so when you put those together, like, it can be... A, like. It can range from being hostile to being like super hypersexual, like when you're just trying to be a person making content. It's mm. it can be really weird. Also, um, traditionally, porn is kind of the redheaded stepchild of these things, where like we all know that porn helps drive technology, but again, a lot of tech companies don't want to associate themselves with porn. Fucking Hitachi has made probably trillions of dollars off of, well, that's a never statement, but they've made a fuckload of money off of the Hitachi Magic Wand, and they almost completely shut the entire project down. They almost completely pulled that item because they didn't want a vibrator to be associated with their gigantic company that makes, like, trackers and shit. Because this one device was, like... I mean, they finally relented, and um, I think there was, like, a Kickstarter or something, and so they, they're still producing it, but they're just they took their name off of it. They don't even want to put their name on this product that changes lives. It has saved relationships that have taught people. I mean, I taught myself how to fucking squirt with this thing. Like, Hitachi is a really, really great, fantastic devices that do a lot for people, that mean a lot to people. And this company doesn't even want their fucking brand on it, Hmm. you know? Um, People don't tend to be very welcoming of porn. People are very uncomfortable with, with porn. Like, everybody knows this is what they want, and this is a big thing. But when you're actually faced with someone from porn, people act weird. People act uncomfortable. People don't know what to say. They, especially a chick, like, they don't know how to talk to me. They don't know what they're allowed to say. They say weird shit sometimes that they don't realize is really offensive or really, like, shitty. Like, it's just, it's two wholly different worlds. And they're coming together, and they're going to come together much more strongly. But if you want to see advancements in VR in porn, like, check out the porn conventions, the tech conventions 
In fact, there's even a big question about whether the porn or the VR conventions want to host porn companies. Like, I don't even know that I could get a table at a porn at the the VR convention. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to the SVVR people, and they're I think, and they're very open minded about it. They're being very proactive and they're very thoughtful about it. And it's a complicated situation because, you know, when you introduce porn into the mix, you're introducing a lot of variability in the way that people approach porn. And um, there's, it's easy to create a hostile environment when you do that Mm -hmm. unintentionally, Um, especially when you're already working again, like the tech industry and the porn industry are very different. So a porn convention, I, there are things that I expect and things that happen that, you know, are normal for that scenario, for that environment. But this environment isn't accustomed to the fucked up crazy shit that porn stars use sometimes and the the way that we carry also the shit that I do that I don't even realize is weird. The stuff that I say to civilians that like causes them to freeze up and I don't even realize that I'm making them uncomfortable. Like it's a really hard, it's hard to merge these worlds um, socially and it can be a really hard place to be. If you're in the porn industry, it can be a really tough way to cross over. So I think you probably are, there's probably a lot more porn people in it than you think. It's just, they're either really quiet about it or they're not in the porn industry, but they want to break into making porn. They're like tech people who want to make porn. There might even be like the higher up, like, people who run porn companies that are coming to these things. In fact, I know um, two people who just went to NAB last week or this week, I guess, mm-hmm. and they were checking out VR stuff, but you wouldn't know that they were associated with a porn company. They don't, they're not the performers. They are business people who work in an office. So they just look like people who work in an office. Yeah. So there's probably more of us among you than you think. And we're just too shy or uncomfortable to reveal ourselves because we're afraid that we're going to get called out for what we are and what we do and treated differently or ejected or people will just not want to talk to us at all because it happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. even Comic-Con, like uh, my friend Tanya Tate has a totally PG rated YouTube channel where she just talks cosplay. She's a really big cosplayer. She's a really gorgeous British woman. You can buy a fleshlight of her vagina. She's a big deal. Yeah. And um, she has this whole like totally non-adult related podcast and she'll go to Comic-Con and interview people about, about cosplay and there have been people who like refuse to even be on that PG YouTube channel because you know I think she said one of them was like a teacher so she couldn't talk to her she couldn't talk to someone who happens to also do porn about something that is not even related to porn because it would actually impact her job you know um and again this has to do with corporate like the big the big companies if you're if your company is working with porn companies, then that can close some doors for you. Just like doing porn closes doors for you as a performer. Um, it's kind of shitty. I wish it wasn't the case, but it's a really weird world to cross into. Yeah, we got some work to do. I mean, and it, it, I feel like it's not. It wouldn't be worth it if it were easy. Um, and, Absolutely not. Yeah, and so I feel like if anything, you know, the obstacle just. You know, lights up a a a, a, a brighter fire. Um, can I ask you? And feel free to not answer. But what 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 are some of the most offensive things you've heard from people who don't didn't mean to offend you by, you know, in, in conversations? You you mentioned earlier something about about that. Yeah, let me. Let me think. I don't even have anything off the top of my head. It's just like weird, random little shit, or like um, like 
oh, wow, I would never be able to date someone who does that. And it's like, why is dating me even on the table? Why is that even in your head? Like, would you, if I said I am an extreme sports person or a Republican, would you be like, oh, I could never date a Republican? Like, (laughs) who gives a shit? No one's fucking asking you, first of all. And that's cool that you think that me and all of my contemporaries are so utterly undesirable and irredeemable that we could never, or like, oh, it must be really hard to find a boyfriend or a partner. And it's like, fuck you. Like, I could say the same for you, douchebag. Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. Like, no, I do just fine. Thank you. And also that's none of your business. And also that's not even the topic of discussion. Why? Or because I do porn people like in a brand new conversation, someone I've just met and I've never talked to at all, like will ask me really inappropriate questions about my genitals that would never come up in conversation with another person. But didn't do sex work or maybe this maybe that person was just really really forward with everyone in their life but it's it's just different it's like um there's a lot of curiosity curiosity is fine and when people when someone says something that's offensive and they don't mean to be offensive then obviously I don't hold that against them but it's very jarring to be in this world where it's like stuff that by now working in entertainment working in the porn industry I've learned there are certain faux pas that you just don't say you don't ask you don't if it's not your business, it's not your business, and you don't bring it up. Mm-hmm. But there are lines that people don't realize are kind of weird to cross. Yeah. Wow. What a fascinating uh, uh, thing to try to navigate. I mean, um, what do you think it's going to take? What What is it that will get uh, the tech industry and the porn industry working together um, in, in the way that it they that it that they should? I mean, I mean what is it? Um, is it is it more information about uh, or education about the different uh, lives involved in this? I mean, I, I, I think it's just time and exposure. I yeah. think um, I mean when people meet me and they get to know me, um, it is not uncommon for them to tell me that like they have a whole new take on porn and they completely think of it in a different light now because they've been able to humanize it and they've matched you know a, a person with this faceless industry. So I think it's really just a matter of them, like, I mean, that's part of why I'm going to the conventions. Like, it, I would rather hide in my bedroom forever reading books than engage socially. My roommate sees me about it all the fucking time. But, like, it's important to get out there and go to these things and be seen and communicate and do what I do and hold my head high and make it clear that I'm not ashamed of it and that it's not a shameful thing and that it's a very natural, lucrative, fun, rewarding thing that I do with my life. And that, you know, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. I'm well-spoken. I'm educated. I've got my shit together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just got to break boundaries and break expectations and change the conversation into something that is constructive and collaborative instead of something that's, like, exploitative or, um, I don't know, objectifying. Yeah. I, I feel you. That's it, – it's um... – yeah, it's inspiring to hear you talk about this. It, it really is. And um, it, my apologies if I started off kind of too strong with, you know, asking about the name of your vagina or anything like that. <laughs> you and I are old friends now. Okay, okay, awesome. Um, how do you – where does – let me ask you this. Like, it's just – philosophically where does that come from that that fear that uh that stigma about sex and porn you know in humans i mean have you do you have a hypothesis do you have a um i mean i i hate to generalize but I, but i wonder do 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 you have a hypothesis a theory as to why humans are scared fear stigmatized porn 
Nobody wants, I don't think any of your fans want to hear me go off on a tangent about patriarchy, <laughs> so I won't, but I think it has a lot to do with um, the way that women's bodies are seen and with the way that sexuality has always been vilified. I mean, it's always been considered, I mean, sinful and one of the biggest religions in the world. And women's bodies have been like, there's a dichotomization of, of female sexuality, like across the board. There's the, the virgin whore dichotomy. There's this uh, barely legal slash milf dichotomy. There's no room in, in between. And I promise you, I'm either a teenager or I'm someone's mom, like in porn. There's almost no middle ground. It's really disconcerting. And it's something that is another thing that I want to change with some of the stuff we're doing. We're utilizing this middle ground of women. But um, I just think that women's bodies are either on a pedestal or crashed on the ground. So you're either keeping your precious jewel safe from these horrible men or you're a worthless slut and you're giving up and you're not worthy of respect. And it's really weird. And yeah, it, this is such a longer discussion. Than yeah. And I, and I, I, and I'm sorry if you, if I, if I meant for you to, but what about do men struggle too? Is, is, is it on a different level? Do, do they also have issues with, yeah, dude, everybody. I mean, when I talk about patriarchy, I sound like radical feminists. I am a feminist, but I'm not like, okay, men are impacted by patriarchy just as much as women are in that, okay, when you think about, uh, okay, men can't express emotion without being like chastised for it. Like you're somehow less of a man. This whole like concept of machismo and what is okay for dudes causes, I think, a huge gap in uh, mental, like, wellness. Mm -hmm. Because there are expectations that you perhaps can't live up to. Or, like, fucking with sex, like I was talking about before, like, guys have this huge stigma against putting something in their butt because that's automatically going to make them gay. And being gay is obviously the worst thing you could ever be in the world. And it's weird. It's like... Uh, that was sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I need to anyway. Um... <laughs> But, like, it's weird. Like, you want to put something in your butt? Well, guess what? You have a prostate. I love anal, and I don't even have a prostate. So if you don't do this, you're totally missing out on the things that you can do with your body. And if you're not doing it because there's some weird stigma that, like, somehow you're less of a man because of it, that's really sad. Like, let's let's break it down logically. Um, gay men also like blowjobs. So does that mean getting a blowjob makes you gay? No. Mm -hmm. If you are gay, that's awesome. May I offer you a blowjob from someone of your own gender since you probably don't want one from me. But like, do you see what I'm saying? Like it definitely impacts men. It impacts men, uh, very strongly. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I, it's a, it's a, it's a super loaded subject. I mean, in my personal it's opinion, huh? it's a, that's its own podcast. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not even prepared to have that discussion. And I'm probably already talking circles around myself. So, um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot. There's the, a lot. Yeah, I mean, there is. I, there, there truly is. And the, and the thing is um, that I've come to realize that, um, you know, I no one knows, uh, at least in my opinion, I don't, um, I struggle, like, constantly with, with trying, with asking myself, and maybe I should just stop and, and just live life, um, with asking myself, like, what does it mean to be a man? Like, what does it mean? What, what, what and, and, and I'm constantly trying to challenge that by not being what everybody thinks man is you know i i i cry i i, I show emotion i um 
I, I, I do the dishes at home and clean the house while my girlfriend is away working and I don't care and it's great. Um, and, and I also like my prostate rubbed. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's the best Fuck thing in the world. Um, Fuck your gender norms. Be who you are. Be whoever the fuck. Like, do you identify as a man? Uh, yeah. So then pretty much everything you do is is what a man does. I mean, right? Like, if you are a man and you do things, then those are things that a man does. Yeah. So whatever you choose to do, you can completely redefine it. Like, you should never let someone else tell you what's okay for you to do just because of what your gender that you are. Yeah. And it's... It's not even, I don't know, that gets into, like, weird discussions about gender binary and spectrums of gender and gender identity and sexual identity yeah. and, like, what makes a man? It's certainly not a penis, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I know so many gorgeous, beautiful fucking women with penises that that's definitely not the thing that makes you a man. Yeah. So, I don't know, whatever it is to you, just be the best person you can be. Yeah, I know I, I know women that are more manly than me, um, in a good way, um, and and you're good, you're good on them. I don't know, I th- there's, um, in the hierarchy of things, because it's such a confusing subject to, to try to wrap your hand around, you know, so much of your identity is, is tied to your sexuality, I, I just, in order to sleep at night, I just consider myself a human before anything else, you know, I'm... I'm 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 like you and like you and everybody else listening. We're we're human and um, you know, take that for whatever it is. Um, I I mean, is that yeah? I I wonder like in the future as as technology progresses and as um we start uh, you know being able to tweak our own minds and explore our own minds. You know, I wonder whether you know, utilizing virtual reality will allow people to be liberated to explore their sexuality deeper than, than before? Or or are people already doing it without VR? What do you think? I think people are definitely doing it without VR, but I think VR will just push, like, further down that path. I mean, uh, with the proliferation of internet porn, we had, uh, you have people who have niche sexual, sexual proclivities who before could only buy what was in their local porn shop or maybe if they were lucky stumble across someone else in their community who was into the same thing and how do you even know if you're into that thing unless you're already having a discussion and it's really tough so um revisiting the earlier conversation i think repression is also a big thing people are very repressed people are repressed in their sexuality and what they allow themselves to experience and um so yeah when with internet porn people suddenly had access to uh to content that you know, their local porn star, porn store wasn't going to stock, um, and communities of people who are into the same shit they're into and who can, you know, trade ideas and discussions and, uh, learn that this thing that I'm really into is really okay. Like there are other functional human beings who like the same shit that I do and that's okay. Um, and I, you know, when porn is available in communities, it, I think, there have been several studies on how the availability of porn actually decreases um, the, um, decreases sexual assault in communities. Hmm. Um, so it's it's taking away that repression that I think really allows people to be a lot happier and to be more fulfilled in their sex lives. Um, 
Yeah, and with VR, it's just going to be more of that. It's going to be more experiences, more personal connection. I think because VR is so immersive, like that's the big fucking buzzword, right? It's mm-hmm. immersion. I think the immersive aspect is going to maybe foster more intimate connections with the porn that you watch. Like, it's a very intimate experience when you're watching porn in VR. And I think it might even change the way people see the adult community to some degree. Do you, is there hope that through VR we have a tool that can allow the consumers the ability to humanize the performers? Um, is, that, is, that, is that a hope that you guys have um, or, or is that, that too is far away? That is thing I do. I, my, I, always, uh, I always seek to humanize the people that I work with. Um, when we, uh, the, the holograms we're making right now, so basically we're making packages of holograms and um, we try to do um, like a masturbation scene and then like some fetishy stuff where the girl's talking about her tits or her ass or her feet. And we try to do like just a solid 30 second like orgasm shot. But the most important part of it, even more so than all of the rest of it, I think is the intro video that we shoot of each performer where they're talking candidly and genuinely about themselves. And it can be awkward. It can be weird. They can feel a little strange, like divulging that information or like as a performer, you don't really know, like, do you want me to be honest? Do you want me to be a character? Do you want me to be like, what am I supposed to be? But giving that, like giving yourself in that way, letting the viewer get to know who you are as yourself does that far more than anything I could do. Like the performers talking about themselves and, you know, fostering that connection with the viewers is a big step. Yeah. That's something that my, business partners noticed like when we shot that first porn in that dorm room like it was such a humanizing experience um he told me like he's never felt he's never seen porn that felt so much like watching like just another human being which is an interesting statement in and of itself but um but yeah it's very very humanizing i think let me ask you you personally how do you what do you do to balance your need to be a private person while also being a, a public figure uh, you know what in the age of information especially what a you know how do you how do you balance that out how do you try what do you do to to keep yourself sane um through through protecting some of your you know your, your private self um it takes a lot of self-care uh i smoke a lot of weed and i read a lot of books alone in my bedroom i don't go out very much i don't go to clubs or things like that. I'm totally supposed to be at a party right now that I didn't drag myself out to. Um, so yeah, I try to balance it with a lot of solo time. I require time by myself every day or else I go insane. Hmm. So I just give myself that. And, um, you know, everybody needs self-care, especially in sex work. That's a really big thing that, um, that's a big discussion that people have. Like, what is your self-care regimen? What does self-care look like to you? For some people, it's like hiking and exercise. For some people, it's cooking or camping. For some people, it's going to fucking Burning Man. But whatever it is, it's, you know, for me, it's it's hanging out with uh, the people who I'm super close with, um, creating things. VR, VRTube is actually kind of part of that. It um, It's taking a different approach to my work, which is kind of fresh and exciting. But um, I don't know. It's if I didn't thrive on it, I wouldn't do it. I can bitch and moan about being a public figure, but I mean, I fuck beautiful people for a living. I really can't complain that much. Yeah. What's the best book, or what's the the last best book you or good book you've read? Um, 
I just finish? I literally just finished this book before we started Skyping. Nice. Um, yeah, it's this really cute young adult sci-fi novel. I mean, it's it's actually a really, really good book. And I'm very impressed with it. Nice. Uh, there's one called, okay, it's called These Broken Stars by Amy Kaufman. Um, super good. If you like sci-fi, if you like young adult lit, it's awesome. I'll look it then, up. Uh, Invaded is another one. It's like YA sci-fi by a chick named Melissa Landers. And I totally tweeted her and she tweeted me back. Nice. <laughs> Can I recommend a book for you that I that I just read? Um, uh, I just read this one called The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. Oh, that sounds cool. I think I think you might like it. It's um, it it's 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 a sick, twisted, freaky, um, out of the blue sort of vision of artificial intelligence and the creation of the metaverse and human sexuality all in one package. You're totally gonna have to send that to me. Okay. Yeah. Email. I shall. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, there's a. Where was I gonna go with this VR addiction? Um, and is that something that you're thinking about? Is that something that you've that's crossed your mind? You know, will this be an issue? And 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 you know, you know, what sorts? What what have you thought about in terms of the 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 impending issue of VR addiction that might come when this becomes mainstream? I have very little patience for people who misconstrue addiction with compulsion. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to fall into doing something that is comfortable and not want to stop doing it, especially when it's gratifying, but that's a much different animal than addiction. Mm-hmm. Like people talk about porn addiction, which I think is mostly bullshit. I think like you can choose to keep playing world of Warcraft all day long and not go to work, but that doesn't mean you're chemically addicted to it. It just means you're making poor decisions. Like, I don't know. I sit around for hours at a time watching House of Cards whenever a new season comes out. You make choices and you do it. But, like, I don't know. I feel like that kind of um, is an asinine way of redirecting, like, responsibility for your own actions. Um, Remove the headset and then you're out of VR and, like, live your life and do the shit that you have to do. Like, if VR is your your escape and if it's your reprieve from life then cool but you still have to live your life to have that reprieve um i don't know i um when when there are journal articles like peer-reviewed journal articles about the actual addiction caused by vr then i'll give it a lot more credence but i just think it's i don't know i don't have a lot of patience for that i think you have a i think you have a very interesting viewpoint here um because i uh, uh, we we're we're under the impression that um i f- well in my opinion i mean i think uh, uh, addiction doesn't necessarily um have to be tied to a psychoactive or you know a a, a chemical compound that affects your brain um outside an exterior chemical compound that ex- affects your brain it doesn't have to be um but then you know how do you you know what is what is the line between compulsion and, and addiction? At what point can can something compulsive turn into something addictive? Is that is that a thing? Um, I'm sure I'm sure it is. I um I don't know. I just don't. I think that it's something that people fret about a lot more than they should. Hmm. Um, if 
you're inclined to be addicted to something and you spend a lot of your time doing it, then I don't know, maybe that inclination will win out. I am, I don't know that I'm qualified to, to really talk about it. I can, I can, you know, wax philosophical on it, but, um, and perhaps I've never seen any proof of a porn addiction that wasn't someone just like really needing a break from the rest of the shit in their lives. When people talk about how porn ruins marriages, it just makes me think that maybe if there was more communication there Mm -hmm. and maybe if like the other parts of your life were, uh, less oppressive or repressive, then it wouldn't happen. I don't know. But again, I'm not, I don't want to detract from someone else's experiences. Maybe somebody really, really genuinely experiences that and it really sucks for them and that sucks, but I just don't think it's the same thing. Yeah. No, it's a, that's it's definitely a loaded subject to, to think about, talk about, and I think you're right in terms of we need peer-reviewed articles uh, coming out of people doing neuroscience and uh, trying to research what is it that is happening to the human brain when you're using virtual reality constantly, you know, because it's not... I don't think it's like any other medium out there, you know. Um, I think there are different parts of the brain that get activated when you're in VR versus just watching on a 2D 2D screen. What's your favorite movie of all time, by the way? Um, Debbie Does Dallas. Debbie Does... I'm going to write that down because I've never seen that before. No, it's a really old school porno. I don't have a favorite movie right now. It's... I, I don't know. Can I tell you what my favorite porn movie of all time is? Sure. It's called The Penetrator. It was a uh, a parody on The Terminator, and it came out in the 90s or something. Damn it! That actually exists! Um, the last... Oh, the first time I got tested this year when I went into the clinic, um, they had the, the male phlebotomist do it, which usually it's this woman named Bobby who's like porn's mom, basically. <laughs> like, everybody knows Bobby and her daughter, Jen. Um so I went in to get tested, and they had the guy there do it. And I was like, oh, wait, you're the first guy that's penetrated me all year. And I made him blush really hard. And I was like, the penetrator. <laughs> so they nicknamed him, and he was very timid and shy about it. <laughs> awesome. Um, Ella Darling, you have been uh, a true sage, um, a lady, and scholar uh, a virtual reality. Um, I can't thank you enough for your time. How can people stay in touch and, and follow all the things that you're doing? Okay. Um, my Twitter is at Ella Darling. It's Ella with one L. So it's E-L-A Darling. <laughs> then um, you should check out VRTube.XXX. Um, on Twitter, we are at VRTubeXXX, which I had to look up to make sure I got it right this time. Um yeah, just check out the website. The website's badass. Um, download our player. It's a little holographic player. Well, it's not little. It's actually quite big, but we're working on getting the size down of all of our shit. Um, there's a demo video like that you can download and probably watch me masturbate. Um, yeah, check us out. Um, that's it. Yeah, thank you. Oh, all right. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And bam! The environment that is awesome, like, I'll make you, like, the best one or the one that we actually end up using on the player. So people who who can do Unity, if they develop an environment that we can use in our VR player that is really good, then I will make, like, a custom video, whatever the fuck they want, or a custom hologram of myself within reason.
Like, I'm not going to step on bugs or kill animals, which is totally a fetish. So gross. Um, you know, obscenity. But yeah, like, it's a thing. So I'm going to, like, make a custom porn hologram. God damn it. I was even talking about custom shit, and I forgot to fucking talk about it. <laughs> no worries. This is, I'm being recorded. Uh, you're recording. I'm recording what you just said. And basically, as bonus uh, material uh, on the podcast, Ella has just announced that there's going to be a contest for all you uh, aspiring developers. And, and Ella, just uh, one more time, can you reiterate what it is that the contest is about? Yeah, so um, we're going to be announcing it probably next week. Um, our VR hologram player um, runs in Unity. So we have a Unity environment that we produce internally, but we would love to see what our fans and our viewers can come up with. So we are doing a contest where um, if you create a, uh, an environment in Unity, um, you have to be over 18. Um, you have to have the rights to, like, you can use other environments that you've created for other purposes as long as we have the rights to use it in our player. It'll be in an executable file, so your source code won't be available for everybody to see unless you want it to be. Um, yeah, and so the winner of this contest gets a custom hologram of myself doing whatever the fuck you want me to do within reason. Um, there are obscenity laws that I can't break. My holes only stretch so far. Um... But yeah, whatever kinky shit, I'll say your name, we'll call you daddy, we'll talk about, I'll talk about pterodactyls, whatever the fuck you want. It'll be fun, you know, and it'll be for your eyes only, so nobody else will see it. So if I am talking to you and you have a really obvious name, like you don't have to worry about it, it's not going to be sold anywhere else, it's just for you and your boner and whoever you want to share that video and or your boner with. Nice. Um, that sounds amazing. That's really awesome. Uh, if if anybody's listening out there, please make a uh, ancient Athens scene in Unity so that uh, Ella can be inside of an a ancient Athens sort of temple area. That'd be awesome. You're contributing to my goddess complex. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, I have. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> 